Hello and welcome to the APT Comics Podcast, episode 249. My name is David Brook. Wow. I'm here with Nathan Simmons. We are here to talk about the number 249. <laughs> yeah, it's a big number. And comics. Uh, and, you know, I'm realizing Yeah. that means next week is yes. episode 250. Oh, yeah, that's right. I didn't. Whoa, I, 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 I didn't. Did you, that didn't cross my mind. Did that come together for you? Come together. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a big milestone episode. Maybe we'll have a huge guest. Mm-hmm. Maybe not. We'll find out. <laughs> we will find. We will certainly find out. Um, but in the meantime, Dave, how are mm. you doing? How much turkey have you mm. eaten in the last few days? How are you feeling? I'm feeling full. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Lots of turkey. Same. I had two Thanksgivings technically because um. Did a Friendsgiving on Thursday, and then I did uh-huh. uh, turkey with my partner um, yesterday, so turkey that we could have. With my uh, partner. Yeah, there should be a song about that, right? I just wrote it. Nice, dude. Uh, Thanks, man. <laughs> how was your Thanksgiving? Good. Uh, I got to hang out with my sister on on the holiday for nice. the longest time, uh, for the first time in the longest time. Nice. So that was really nice, and yeah, yeah, just a pretty low key. Uh, watched uh, Monkey D. Luffy's hat explode on. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> on live television, which was kind of buck wild. Wait, his hat exploded um, in the parade? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I missed well, I that. I think his hand hit like a flagpole. Oh. It, was the, it was the debut of the One Piece float uh, and balloon. They, and they destroyed it. Wow. And he popped. Yeah. Uh, well, he is stretchy in the comic, so. Yes, correct. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I don't know. I guess uh, life doesn't imitate art in this case, mm. but uh, mm-hmm. it was it was something to see. Hmm. Yeah, I watched. I did. I missed that. I, did, I watched to watch Cher. Did you get to watch Cher? I did watch Cher. Amazing. In fact, I was uh, elbow deep in making some uh, uh, sweet potato casserole, and I had my dad pause the television when I heard "Here's Cher," ah. which, which was such an interesting thing because, yeah. th- like, they set up a stage for her, and we we're talking about the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. The uh, they set up a stage for her, which means that like that was probably just the one performance she did that morning, right? Like oh, she yeah. wasn't on multiple stops. <laughs> she wasn't just <laughs> with the parade, right? Right. Um, it was a very odd. It was also interesting that there were, I think, seven words in that song. Uh, very it repetitive. To be just a chorus. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah. So what you're saying is you prefer Jimmy Fallon over Cher? Is that right? Uh, I, you know what? I would never say I prefer Jimmy Fallon over literally anybody. <laughs> yeah. I don't like how everyone's lip syncing. I know like, you know, they technically it's, yeah, it's tough, yeah. but like sometimes it's just so fake looking, you know? Sure. I mean, well, I guess it depends on the performer. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. I'm, I said that I was such, I said that such, so cattily, but I'm just like, <laughs> I don't know. I've seen, yeah, I, I've seen. So many drag queens that are better at lip syncing mm. than Jimmy Fallon is. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I don't think that's probably not the first time someone said that either. No, I don't even think it's the first time I've said it. Oh, that's true. Yeah, you said that almost on every episode. I think. <laughs> Somebody I, pull I, back yeah, the you tapes. Have to cut it out. <laughs> yep. Well, actually, we're here to talk about comic books. This is uh, where we talk about the biggest mm-hmm. news of the week. We review our favorite comics. We have special guests on as well, including yeah. Craig Rasmussen's on to talk about Monkey Gong Comics Club. Um, he's gone yeah. outside of the Kickstarters and the Indiegogos and whatnot, and he's created his own website for subscription, so you can get mm-hmm. comics mailed to you if you join it. Uh, and also there's digital comics. But yeah, it's uh, yeah. interesting to talk about business side of things and what he's trying to accomplish all on his own. 
It's uh, really yeah. fun because it, 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 he gets into how this was almost a therapeutic enterprise as well. Like it really right. reinvigorated his love for comics and mm-hmm. uh, he's really excited about where it's going to go. He's got some really fun stuff planned. And also we go on some really wild tangents in this conversation. <laughs> it was, it was a fun we talk. We do. We do. Yeah. I think we talk about uh, Sikowitz quite a bit at some point. We do. Yeah. Because <laughs> he's friends with a lot of folks in the industry too. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and if you like sci-fi comics, you might want to check it out. One hundred percent. Yeah, uh, yeah, and, and and there's some interesting tears too. It's, it's 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 admirable what he's trying to accomplish with this uh, Monkey Gong comics Absolutely. club. But before we get uh-huh. to that, let's recap the biggest news of the week, which is a light week due to Thanksgiving. I believe most publishers mm-hmm. took the rest of the week off off after Wednesday, but. Uh, yes. Marvel dropped uh, a big preview right before the holiday with Hell the yeah. Ultimate Spider-Man trailer, but also interior art. Um, people were losing their minds around this. I was seeing on Twitter and Reddit and whatnot, but uh, yeah. possibly one of the more intriguing elements of the preview is we get a shot of the Green Goblin here. I assume his name is the Green Goblin. He looks like the Green Goblin. He's got a glider. Yeah. He's green. He's He's got a very uh, Raimi Goblin kind of design Mm -hmm. as well. And Um, on his shoulder, it says Osk Stark. Yes. Oscorp Stark. Like, I think they're maybe the same company. There's like a... There's a merger. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. As we know uh, from the the Ultimate Invasion series, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, Norman Osborn and Howard Stark are both, you know, uh, off the table. So... Uh The possibility of this being a new version of Harry is very uh, intriguing, or, or mm. a completely new character. Um, right. I also love beyond that that the honestly, like the main marketing hook they're going with for this book is Peter and Mary Jane are married. Like they are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is like such a huge part of every bit of the sales pitch. Yeah, they have two kids, uh, clearly living together. They're obviously married. Yeah, they're obviously semi-happy. They're, there's a page yeah. where we get to see them kind of interact. We don't have any dialogue, of course, but yeah. you know, Mary Jane's smiling as she leaves the room. So <laughs> it's like everything fans yeah. have wanted for like two decades since they split yeah. them up. I can't wait. I cannot wait for this book. I also love we, we have a Mark Bagley um, uh, variant cover that has like the, you know, the Bendis era versions of ultimate spider-man and his supporting cast on a, on a variant cover yeah yeah there's a lot of covers great like covers eight, 18 covers total, something like that mm-hmm. i don't know uh there's also a shot of J. jonah jameson so it looks like peter's still working at the daily bugle um, yeah as you can tell we don't know a lot about the series right now all we know is that peter is in his 40s and he's married to mary jane so it's mm-hmm. cool to see a trailer but also these, these these pieces of art because it gives us a sense of what they're going for Totally. It's such a it's such a smart marketing move, dude. Like, yeah, you know, we are getting up there in our age. We grew up with Spider Man, uh-huh. so uh-huh. why not deliver a Spider Man that people in their forties and fifties can relate to, right? Sure, yeah, absolutely. And, I, uh, I I am so excited. I am so excited to see Peter, you know, juggling being a family man and being a hero and fighting new versions of classic villains. And uh, I don't know, there everything about this speaks to me. Yeah, and it's a fresh start, too. It's not a continuation mm-hmm. of the previous Ultimate Universe. It's uh, right. a new thing. And the first issue He's comes out in Spider-Man January. Now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can't January wait. 10th. That's, that's not too far away. It's only about a month and 10 or so days. God, that's crazy. I know. <laughs> I know. It's going to be 2024 before it's you know it. Bonkers. We have to start doing our best of lists and whatnot. Uh-huh. 
We'll see if uh, if Elvira makes the list because Ooh. she's the next bit of news. Elvira is taking on HP Lovecraft in a new Dynamite uh-huh. series that somehow AIPT had the exclusive news because no one reported on it but us for like the longest yeah. time. It was weird. I know. Yeah, I saw, this uh, is where I saw it for the first time. I was really excited it, about this one. Like she's literally teaming up with the writer too. It's not like she's teaming up with Cthulhu. <laughs> yeah, it's the ghost of HP Lovecraft and or, or somehow he's come back from the dead. But what I love is the creative team is uh being very upfront about the fact that hey hp lovecraft uh kind of sucked as a human being right and we're gonna deal with that in this story as well right because elvira's a gay icon right uh-huh and he had a lot of opinions about gay people right and people of color and yeah not not the not the coolest guy on the planet uh but uh wrote some great stories yeah yeah <laughs> um yeah, David Avalon is talking about uh, my dad had a copy of the Dunwich Horror and other stories when I was growing up, and I read it at a fairly young age. I was blown away by the writing and the imagination. It felt like, what if Poe wrote sci-fi? Which is such mm. a great uh, encapsulation of like that vibe. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, the, the idea of Elvira fighting against Lovecraft's creations while also trying to like put up with him is is yeah. uh, is a funny idea. Yeah, and giving people a commentary on that, too. That makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. And she's teamed up with other icons before, like Mary Shelley, Edgar Allan Poe, and Bram Stoker. That's right, yeah. <laughs> Who's next? Stephen King? Probably. I mean, that would... R.L. Stein. R.L. <laughs> <laughs> Stein, the horror maestro of uh, our youth, I'm really anyway. i about this. Also, we, we've got uh, Robert Hack doing some variant uh, covers for this, and uh, yeah... I've I've really enjoyed uh, Dynamite's Elvira books, so this is ex- this is exciting. Also in the news, Marvel revealed Predator: The Last Hunt number one is coming out. It's a four issue series. Mm-hmm. Ed Brisson is continuing his run on Predator with a, this is actually the third series under Ed Brisson, and uh, he will be continuing Theta's story. This is a human who wants yes. to kill all of the Yatja Yatja. How do you say it? Yatja Yatja. Yaucha, yes, that's what the predators are yeah, called. Yeah, I think that's. I think I believe that's how Ed says it. Yeah, Ben Percy was also saying. We had oh, over right. and we had over. Ben Percy on to ask him about it too. Yeah, I really enjoy Theta as a character, um, mm-hmm. and Brisson has like given her some interesting things to play with in the last two volumes, and yeah. sort of surprisingly evolved the character in different ways. So I, mm-hmm. I'm I'm excited to see uh, if this truly is the end of Theta's story. Yeah, it's an interesting concept, right? Like. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they when they announced that they were going to do a predator book, I was like, oh, well, they follow a predator, and the predator will be the main character. But that would sure. get away from the alienness of it, the threat of the predator. Like they're they're a villain, 100%. right? Mm-hmm. So why not make a badass human who can actually take them on and fly around in spaceships and whatnot? <laughs> right. In the last predator series, um, we are introduced to this world where predators bring uh, aliens of all sorts to hunt and train. And yes, Theta yeah. shows up and saves a bunch of humans. When it was fascinatingly done because Brisson introduced the fact that these humans were captured at different times in history. So, like, there's someone yes. from, like, 2015, but there's also someone from, like, 1992. Uh, and I was just like, oh, I want to see this in a movie format. That'd be really neat. But, yeah, uh, it was uh, it was a fun like sort of expansion on the concept of the of Robert Rodriguez's Predators movie. But enough about Predator. What about Beyond Real? <laughs> Yeah, what <laughs> this about is Vault's it? new series. It has already sold over a hundred thousand orders via FOC. Wow. 
It's not out yet, and uh, this is great news. I think maybe it's in part selling so well because Zach Kaplan had such a great debut uh, sci-fi with Vault uh, about a year mm-hmm. ago now, and they they want mm-hmm. more of it. And he is kind of like a sci-fi maestro at this point. It's also a fascinating oh, yeah, book because there are multiple artists drawing, not like trading off on pages mm-hmm. or or whatever. They're literally drawing on every single page together, which is really fascinating. Yes. You don't ever see that. Yeah, seven artists working in tandem, handing off scenes back and forth to each other. It's part of the narrative structure of this mind-bending story about simulation theory, the creative spirit, and the struggle for self-determination. Yeah, I feel like I feel like Zach, um, with each new book, has this sort of like, okay, now I have permission to get a little weirder and a little more mm. experimental, and that's really cool. I uh, right. I, I loved Mindset. Uh, yeah. Really excited to see what he does here. Yeah, same, 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 same. Yeah, the first issue's out December 13th. Uh, mm-hmm. And with that many orders, you might find it at the comic shop, but yeah, <laughs> you never know. <laughs> uh, and then in our last bit of news, uh, the Comics Beat had an interesting story this week about mm-hmm. comic book page rates. Mm-hmm. Uh, it all spun out of uh, Bon Alemagno, uh, who was an editor-in-chief at a, a publisher, uh, and he shared what his page rates were in 2009, Mm-hmm. And the rates were $110 a page for writing, $190 for penciling per page. Right. Uh, and then covers with ink and pencil were $550, uh, and then painted covers were 1000 But this was 2009. And, and this was Harris Harris Comics in 2009, yeah. which, like, not, not one of the big two, not, you know. Uh, no. Yeah. And this is the minimum, too, right? So this isn't just what he paid. He also paid more than this for other books. Uh, Harris was right. eventually bought by Dynamite, eventually. Um, right. But this started a conversation all week, with, and I saw it on Reddit and other places where people were saying, why are comics creators getting paid so little? Right. Um, people like Mark Millar uh, or Miller um, also joined the conversation saying that, you know, there were people making $40,000 a comic. Mm-hmm. Uh, meanwhile, I mean, a lot of artists these days can't make a living. They're not getting health care on top of everything else. Mm-hmm. And it's like, how yeah, do we I mean, fix the situation? That's part of what we were talking about. That's what part of what we talk about with Craig in the interview this week yeah. is that mm-hmm. you know it's it's tough to make ends meet when you're when you're a creator, especially when you're an indie creator, uh, where you're you know going to cons just to get the word out. So you're your own street team. You're paying for your own table. Uh, you know you're you're lucky if you break even at a convention. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's even before getting into work rates. Absolutely. And considering how long it takes an artist to draw, these rates are <laughs> criminal at best, right? Yeah. I mean, and these are the lowest rates uh, at the time in 2009. And right. I think a lot of people are a little afraid to like share what they're getting paid. Uh, so you didn't see a lot of comics creators come out and be like, actually, I make this much. But you right. did have folks talk about you know what their rates were in the past and these are these bare minimum rates are already kind of pushing it and it's continuing the rates aren't going Mm -hmm. up over time and yeah i don't know how i mean marvel is actually toying with raising all of their comics up to i think 4.99 next year next year yeah and they've already started to do it with certain books like you know predator versus wolverine and stuff like that but Mm -hmm. even so i mean are are they raising the rates for their creators if they're raising the books the, the cost of books i don't know but it should be I mean, more transparent. I think it's, it's. Do I know? It should be more pr- transparent. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it makes sense that not everybody's, you know, uh, I mean, a lot of companies will have you sign, an, you know, uh, an agreement not to talk about your uh, your compensation. But yeah, it should be, it sh- yeah, it should be more of a, I don't, I don't know, I don't know if industry standards the way to go, but like, mm. it, it, something needs to change. I, I, <laughs> I wish I had the answer for this. <laughs> yeah, and in, in the and you know, part of the problem is this is an industry where this is people's passion, right? Making art and right, creating absolutely. stories. So well, it's sort that's of... the other thing is nobody, nobody gets into comics. I mean, almost, I would say nobody gets into comics. Yes. Uh, to become rich. Just for the hell of it. <laughs> like, yeah, they, they do it because they love the, the medium. Right. And then it's almost predatory that these publishers can pay so little because they know these people are, mm-hmm. they, you know, I, you know, people wanting to write Spider-Man their whole lives and they finally get to, well, we don't have to pay them that much because they love the fact that they get to do this. Uh, right. Which is just isn't right, uh, especially if they're making hand over fist money <laughs> over what the creators are making. Right, absolutely. But yeah, it's interesting this came up again because it keeps coming up every couple of years. There's like a survey that goes out and people talk about the rates and it doesn't mm-hmm. seem like anything's happening. Uh, and, you know, creators are more and more creators are moving on to creator owned because, you know, the big two isn't just it's not giving them the money or the IP to actually right. make money if things turn into movies or TV shows or whatever. Right, absolutely. Like, why create a new character for Marvel if it's going to be a TV show in a couple of years and <clears throat> they make all the money? Mm-hmm. But yeah, <laughs> kind of a depressing way to end the news, but <laughs> in our next segment, we're going to get <laughs> real positive. Because we're going to yeah. talk about our top two favorite comics out this week. Uh, Nathan, what was your second favorite book of the week? My second favorite book of the week, Wyatt, where is my link? There it is. <laughs> my, my second favorite book of the week was uh, Lunar Lodge, number one by Tyler Marseka and Marco Kolak. Um, this is a uh, deceptively, uh, I don't know, this, this is not exactly what I thought it was going to be, right? Like it looks like uh, on its surface, a very straightforward werewolf story, right? Yeah. Um, but in, in fact, this is... Uh, a it, it feels a little bit more like a detective story. This guy hmm. knows that his his wife is leaving and she's not going where she says she's going. She's spending days gone at a time every single month. And he finally, his paranoia sort of gets the best of him. So he begins to trace her steps and figure out where she's staying for the weekend. Um, and we start to sort of put together the pieces of a, uh, a conspiracy to possibly to hide uh, a retreat for werewolves, mm. uh, a retreat that may also maybe be a fight club. <laughs> um, Interesting. There's a, there's a lot of fun layers at work here. The artwork is super moody, um, has that really like sort of uh, rural horror vibe that I, that I just really get a kick out of. Uh, everything feels very lonely and dark and, mm. Uh, you really get a feel for the the main character as he's he knows that what he's doing may end his marriage, even regardless of if he's right or wrong about his suspicions. Right, right. Uh, but he just has to know, and I, I just find that to be a really fascinating uh, frame of mind to to find this character in. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, I, I love a you know small town with secrets kind of vibe, very kind of Twin Peaksy. Yeah. Uh, uh, and a little bit, you know, like those episodes of the X-Files where they go out to, you know, small town and they're like, you know, we do things our own way out here. That kind of, that kind of vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, it's fun. It's a, it's a, it's a really cool first issue and uh, has me extremely curious to see w- what all of this actually is. 
Yeah, the mystery is really intriguing, and the, and the cliffhanger is like, wait, what's happening yeah, down here? Yeah, totally. Uh, I got to interview Tyler earlier this week, That's right. and uh, it's a written interview, if you can go check it out on amputeecomics.com, and he talks a lot about werewolves and uh-huh. his love of, of an American werewolf in London, as we all love that movie, oh, I'm sure. Totally. Such a classic. But, you yeah. know, it's funny, like, werewolf media is so low. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's that new show, Wolf Like Me, but uh, I think it's so hard to pull off werewolf stories in TV and, and feel, movies. And, and have it feel new. Yeah, and and I mean, just like the special effect. I mean, a vampire, you know, you just gotta put some white makeup on a put guy. Some things on, yeah. <laughs> Werewolf, you gotta get like a bodysuit that looks realistic. Yes, but yeah, yeah, it's a really intriguing first issue, and uh, yeah, uh, good pick, dude. Thanks, man. What you what do you like this week? I really liked Hack Slash Back to School number two by Zoe Thorogood. Um, yeah. I I actually just caught up on it, and I just am so in love with the art and the concept and. Mm-hmm. Uh, originally a creation by Tim Seeley, Hackslash has like a sexiness to it. You know, mm-hmm. these, these like, uh, young female heroes running around sort of scantily clad, but it was never like <laughs> overly done. And I, yeah, I think it's not soup. Yeah. It, it rides the line of like cheesecakey. And then yeah. also, you know, it's, it's all in good fun. Like it and, never feels exploitative. And it's women empowerment too, because sure, our totally. main character is this woman that's, you know, living in a, a man's world essentially. And yeah. Uh, yeah, Thorgood so captures down yeah. all of the uh, all the slashers out there. <laughs> exactly. I it, love it. It kind of re- uh, reminded me of um, House of Slaughter um, or something is killing the sure. children, and that there is like a school for people to learn how to take down slashers. Yeah, but it's different enough, I think. And Thorgood's art is just so I don't know revolutionary. It's so creative and different, mm-hmm. and she's trying different things all the time. You can tell she isn't just you know setting up a freaking nine panel or five panel page and just putting in art into the boxes. She's really thinking about the visual storytelling going on. Um, yeah, and I love how she writes Vlad too. Like yeah. he's such a sweetheart. It's so funny. Yeah, there's a good sense of humor. There's there's a mm-hmm. there's good character writing here, um, and you know it's funny. It's it's interesting seeing Zoe take on a you know already established series like Hackslash, totally, and put her own spin on it. You don't usually see that, and it makes me wonder yeah. like why didn't she just do her own thing? Uh, well, not to I feel like she, the idea, she's but. she's laying a lot of groundwork for other stories that can be told in the universe too. Right. Right. In this first, in the second issue, we get that great flashback to Gwen, the headmistress of this school for, you know, slasher killers, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know, her origin story. And I feel like we'll get a little bit of that as we go along. We have this character, Boo, who is essentially uh, lollipop chainsaw, you know, that that character, which I, I love. And yeah, there's a, there's just a lot, lot to love here. Yeah, really, it really is fun. And, uh, yeah, it, it offers something I think not a lot of comics are offering right now. Mm-hmm. But what was your favorite comic of the week? My favorite comic of the week was Mortal Terror number one by Christopher Golden, Tim Levin, and Peter Bergting. Uh, this I, I knew nothing about this. I had somehow mm. completely missed the announcement of this book. But mm-hmm. uh, this is set in a world where Dracula won from <laughs> the in the original you know Bram Stoker story. Um, and we follow characters from that novel, like Jonathan Harker, Lucy Westenra, Dr. Seward, as they um, sort of try to try desperately to maintain the status quo. Uh, and uh, there's just some really clever world building. Uh, I, I love how it doesn't give you everything up front. It, it took it honestly took like a solid 
six or seven pages before I was like, oh, this is like a Dracula book. (laughs) You know, uh, very, very exciting for me. But I, yeah, I I had a blast diving into this. It it has a lot of little hints about where the story could go. There's a, Mm -hmm. there's an implication that Dracula might not even be at full power anymore. Uh, Mm -hmm. We're not, you know, he's, he's got, he needs other people to do his bidding and he sort of refuses to acknowledge that there are still human beings in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also, you know, plays with the idea that there are vampires who know that there are mortals still out there and they're, you know, experimenting on them. Um, it's just, uh, yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's super layered, super interesting world that we're being introduced to. And uh, I, I love that it takes this story that everyone knows and does something new with it. Mm, yeah. That's, that's really exciting. Um, I mean, it's kind of like a rock and roll version of the the Anno Dracula novels, but like a very, you know, it's it's doing its own thing. I, I'm right. I'm really into it. The uh, environments and, and like backgrounds are so well rendered. Yes, yeah. It's uh, it's I mean, clearly yeah, a period there's... piece too. It's, it brings you back too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there it it could be, have been five years or a hundred years since the novel, right? Which right. is kind of what I what I love about how how the world is rendered. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really cool. I'm just looking at it right now. Thanks, man. <laughs> yeah. Nice picture. <laughs> uh, I also kind of picked a, a period piece in a sense. Um, mm-hmm. Somna number one by Becky Clunan and Tula Latay. This is a yeah. distillery's second new series. And uh, man, it is just a gorgeous book to start. But it's about a woman having nightmares or are they dreams? And her mm-hmm. husband is like the top witch finder. <laughs> okay. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's like set in like not quite Pilgrim days, a little bit later, but um, it's uh, <clears throat> she's she's kind of waking up with these dreams that are erotic, and her husband doesn't want to have sex with her ever, and the dreams just keep getting more and more erotic, and there's this like this fear hanging over I think me while reading this because. Mm. You know, she's like waking up moaning, and he's like, wh- he's like waking her up, shaking her, and like, what are you moaning about? Yeah. And it's like, is he going to catch on that there could be a, a some sort of demon or something communicating with her in her right. in, in her dreams? Is that what he's going to yeah say about her? Yeah. And meanwhile, uh, you know, a, a witch was just burned in town, and he's all proud of himself, and <laughs> she's not quite cool with that. And right, she's still living in a world though where you know, witches were real and demons are, are running amok or what or whatever. Right. Uh, and you know she does she means well, but she is actually seeing this dark figure in her dreams, uh, and it leads her down a path that uh, is beautifully rendered by Tula Latte. Mm-hmm. She's she's drawing all the the dream sequences, and they're like painterly and just so mm-hmm. gorgeous. And then Becky Cloonan's drawing all the scenes that are outside of the dream uh, in the real world, and so she her like more conventional comic style with all the detail really brings out the grounded nature of what's going on during the day versus the night. Mm-hmm. And the erotic parts uh, aren't too over the top. Uh, we're, we're not seeing pornographic art here, but it is sure. sultry and it, it conveys a mood that's um, really cool. In my review <laughs> of it, I said something about how it's, it reminded me like Bram Stoker's Dracula, the, uh, the Coppola totally. movie. The like yeah. sexiness of it and the 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 kind of like scariness of the demon. It's it's all yeah. all there on the page. It's really neat. I, yeah, I I loved the preview for this series hmm. or the you know the sort of prelude to this series that we got in um, yes Devil's Cut. Uh, mm-hmm. I have not gotten a chance to read Somna number one yet, but 
Uh, as soon as we finish recording, my plan is to go to the comic shop and cross my fingers that they've got some copies left. They had a lot at my st- my shop, but my shop's huge, so cool. you know right, that. You, right, right. Yeah, mine, mine is, I think, uh, <laughs> a tenth of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, cr- it's crazy how big the comic shop is. I go to Harrison's. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, totally pick it up if you can. It's in print only right now because Distillery hasn't right. set up their digital comics yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so you'd have to go to a store. But yeah, uh, that's it for Top Books of the Week. And our next segment, Standout. Kapow! Wow! Moment of the Week! Impressive. Yeah. Thank you. Thank <laughs> this you. is where we're talking about our favorite panel or page. Uh, I picked a page from Incredible Hulk number six by Nick Klein and Philip Kennedy Johnson. Good. <laughs> God, it's a double-page layout. You can see it on aftcomics.com yeah. on this podcast post. Um, it's getting to the point where artists are trying to, like, top themselves, I think, with the grotesque yes. nature of Hulk popping out of Bruce's banner. Yeah. Uh, this page is just unreal. We there's Particularly, there's a, a part where Hulk is literally pushing himself through Bruce's face as if Bruce's uh. face is a mask. There's and a it's snout just in teeth coming through uh, Bruce's jaw and his teeth. The top of his head is already torn through, and you can see Hulk's yeah. hair. <laughs> it's such an unreal moment, and yeah, uh, you have to see it to believe it. It's just true body horror, psychotic stuff. You know what's wild about it is I think I think just last month and in, in number five I picked yes. the Hulk turning back into Bruce and like this full you're you're right this fully is like way worse yeah yeah it's the, the it make it gets your imagination going too like could you imagine someone bursting their head through your head <laughs> and not to mention the scream that halos this entire page like the 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 sound effect of him screaming yeah. and roaring like loops its way around all of the other panels. Ugh. It's pretty wild stuff. It's almost like Hulk is like being birthed yeah. via Bruce's entire body. Yes. <laughs> Yikes. Wild. Mm-hmm. We've all been there. I know, yeah. Just, you know, you drink too much and that's what happens. That's it. Kids. <laughs> yep, this is me Thanksgiving afternoon. <laughs> um I, that's pretty great. I went with some also someone going through somebody. <laughs> uh, uh, I I picked a panel from uh, Hack Slash Back to School Number Two by Zoe Thorogood, and this is the aforementioned flashback to Darla's origin story, uh, where she uh, gets stabbed in the face, and her reaction is to grab a chainsaw from this film set wall, and saw straight through the guy who's attacking her, and we see this. <laughs> as sort of a camera behind the guy who's being cut open. Uh, this is probably the grossest thing I've picked in a minute, but this yeah. body kind of falling in half with the the buzz of the chainsaw, you know, running its way down the page. And the background behind Darla is just the sound of her screaming while she does it. <laughs> yeah, and then there's a sound effect on the other side of the body. Yeah. <laughs> That's so cool. It's great, and I love the 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 sense of motion to the chainsaw. It sort uh, of warps how you know warps the shape of the saw right. as it moves down. Uh, there's just like so much energy in this mm-hmm. image, and I think the the cherry on top is the outreached hands of the guy getting cut in half. <laughs> uh, it's great. It's uh, it's so gnarly, but uh, really stuck out to me this week. Such a dynamic page. I, I would yeah. have never even thought to do this. No, it's it's great. I love it. The blur effects are neat too. Yeah. Uh, moving on to our top books for next week, we're going to talk about our yeah. most anticipated comic out next week. What are you looking forward to, Nathan? 
I can't wait for Howard the Duck number one. That's right, <laughs> number one. Um, his it's first a, comic it's, ever. It's <laughs> his really. first one. It's a uh, 50th anniversary issue uh, celebrating Howard the Duck's long history in Marvel Comics. And uh, it's written by Chip Zdarsky, Daniel Kibblesmith, Merritt Kopas, and Jason Liu, with artwork by Derek Charm, Annie Wu, Will Robson, and Joe Quinones. Uh, bringing back some folks who have worked on the character over the years to celebrate. Um, I also just love the cover art. I almost picked this for my favorite cover mm. for next week, but just it's very funny to see Howard very sad with Mjolnir and his birthday cake. Yeah, yeah. Um, but also, yeah, we're bringing back some characters from not only Howard the Duck, but from uh, from John Byrne's uh, She-Hulk series and Peter David's She-Hulk series. Like we're kind of we're kind of playing around in. Uh, goofy Marvel territory, which I'm always happy to see. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Howard may be making an appearance in Expert Monday tomorrow. Yeah, may or may not. Basically, yes, he uh, will. <laughs> we'll see. Um, but yeah, I, I also just love the, the the concept that this is going to show us alternate universe versions of Howard the Duck, how things could have gone differently for him, right? With different creative teams, and that's fun. Yeah, AFT had the exclusive preview for this this week, and yeah. Howard gets to join the X Men. <laughs> believe it or not <laughs> hell yeah finally yeah. and yeah it's cool to see chip back on the book too we talked a little bit about this book when chip was on the show a few weeks ago now but mm-hmm. um he i think he even said on the show he would write just howard the duck for the rest of his life if it paid the bills <laughs> right absolutely <laughs> truly his, loves his the howard the duck run is so great mm-hmm. yeah that's, that's when pick. i really got i really noticed chip zadarsky when he was doing howard the duck and jughead Right. I was like, oh right. yeah, this guy rules. This is one of my guys. <laughs> for sure, for sure. It's great to get com- comedy comics too. It's, it seems rare these days. It does, yeah. It's pretty goofy. I'll have a review of it. Um, there's a really good story in this by Kibblesmith. Awesome. But uh, my most anticipated book of the week is Titans Beast World number one by Tom Taylor and Ivan Rice. Mm-hmm. APT had an advanced review, uh, review of this this week. Uh, not by me, but um, we really, he really, really loved it, Michael. And... Mm-hmm. Um, I, I got to read it early too, so I'm kind of cheating, but yeah, it's, Jealous. this is the next big crossover for DC, uh, and uh-huh. this one takes big swings, um, and Beast Boy is at the center of it all, mm-hmm. and uh, he does some incredible things with his powers at one point, but yeah, so, uh, a bunch of surprises, it's got that big, splashy event level art that you want from a big two, and, mm-hmm. um, it, it definitely feels like it's not pulling any punches with the Titans, and I think people are going to really be excited about that. But yeah, um, I, I was never like a Titans guy or like even a Beast Boy guy, but oh, I was I, there I was for a the Titans guy for sure. It's just so epic, um, this first issue. Yeah, the the 80s, like the, the new or the 70s, the new Teen Titans era, like that was mm-hmm. that was my sweet spot when I was a kid. I really got into nice. those. Um, nice. And I, I you can tell that so did Tom Taylor, like... <laughs> Especially, you know, when you look at, like, the roster and some of the storytelling dynamics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. We'll see how well it sells. I don't know. I, I'm not seeing tons of people pumped for this. So I'm curious to see how well it It'll does. be interesting, for sure. Yeah. Moving on to our next segment, Judging by the, next segment, judging by the Cover Junior. We're going to talk about our favorite Junior. cover art. Oh, we didn't sing it! I know. Oh. That's okay. We that, was, it. Uh, that was just a drop. <laughs> Junior. Oh, that was pretty good. Thank like you. Max Headroom. Uh, what is your favorite cover art out next week? Uh, it really couldn't be anything else this week. Uh, Batman 89 Echoes, yeah. number one. Uh, and the main cover by Joe Quinones, uh, which shows us our Dark Knight returning. 
uh, looming over the city, over Arkham Asylum, and then a um, really striking version of Scarecrow, this sort of hulking masked version with a noose around his neck. Uh, one of the things I've loved is Kinone's combining uh, the, both the, the the looks of the cast from the original films and bits of the animated series uh, aesthetic. Right. You know, like his Bruce walks around in a tan suit like, uh, <laughs> like uh, Bruce Timm's Batman does. Uh, I also love that he's added the, the noose around Scarecrow's neck, kind of similar to the final season of Batman, the animated series. Mm. Um, and looming over it all uh, is our Harley Quinn, right. uh, a mysterious figure that uh, is modeled after Madonna, who was supposedly in the talks to play the character back in the day. That's wild. Um, and just, I love the red tint to it. It has a very, you know, again, very fourth season animated series. Oh, we got red skies now. <laughs> kind of vibe. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's it's very gothic, very cool. The... Uh, uh, likeness of Keaton's jawline is still on point. Yeah. Uh, I just, I love, I, I, I hope Kinones gets to draw Batman whenever he can. Mm hmm. Uh, it's great. Great cover. Covers like this make me think, God, why couldn't Michael Keaton have done more and more and more and more Batman movies? Because <laughs> well, uh, Warner Brothers sucks. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, my favorite cover art comes from Giant Robot Hellboy number two by Jeff yeah. Darrow. This is the uh, one of the variant covers. Christ. Uh, Daro, <laughs> uh, if you're not familiar, uh, go listen to the episode where he, he joined us to talk all about his uh, his recent book at the time. But damn, yeah. detail is king with Daro. And uh, there's a lot going on here. We've got Hellboy, Robot Hellboy here, who is already like six stories tall, fighting uh -huh. something that is like 20 stories tall. But when I say something, I mean it, because I don't know what the hell it is. <laughs> it's like multiple robot bugs that are run off of dogs that are hooked up to machines on the inside of their bellies. Yeah, like these liquid tubes. It's so and weird. And that's not enough, he's given us so much silly advertising yep. in the background. Yep. Meteos, uh, Porca-Cola. <laughs> Eat good. Yeah, there's just so much to take in. There's like, Also, this insect thing is like sending fire down on people and it's just blowing yes. them up. Uh, we've got people so in the foreground detail. too that are like adding like layers to this. So that's like a deeper, uh, richer art on top of everything else. There's a guy with a hat that says magnola.com. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> there's just so much to take in. And there's, there's yeah. one person who appears to be w taking photos of the fight. <laughs> right. Right. Because there's a, there's a robot Hellboy on their phone screen. Um, what it, we we asked Jeff when he was on the show, it was something along the lines of like, you your books, your your pages, every page is so detailed. Yeah. When do you decide that you're done? And I think he said something like, when when it's the deadline. Like he's like, right. I don't know that I've ever finished a page or something like that. Right? Yeah, he just keeps going and going and going, which you can totally tell. <laughs> oh yeah, it's wild. Absolutely, it, it's so good. Yeah, it really is. Uh, well, that's it for Judging by the Cover Junior. Next up, join us as Craig Rasmussen joins the show to talk all about Monkey Gong Comics Club and, yeah, business side of comics, too. Enjoy. So on with us is Craig Rasmussen. Uh, Craig, thank you so much for being on the AFT Comics Podcast. Nathan, Dave, thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, to start, what made now the right time for the Monkey Gong Comics Club? <laughs> Desperation. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the circumstances of the industry, you know, the industry is a fractured 
bizarre sure. landscape and the business is just a trash fire half the time. And when it's not a trash fire, it's kind of hard to get into those doors. So mm. um, it just was really a combination of a, a, a really tough hustle. You know, we were just talking before we started recording about the hustle, all the endless hustle. Ha ha ha. But the problem with that <laughs> is that it is endless. You, yeah. you don't get to rest. You don't get to like take care of yourself. You don't ever right. make enough money. You're constantly mm-hmm. running from one thing to another. And I had a year where that just didn't work out. Like nothing yeah. worked out. Con- conventions were a disaster this year. Like huge financial losses. Not just like yeah. the usual financial loss of a convention because mm-hmm. we always almost take a loss. Like nobody makes a quote unquote profit. Yeah. Mm. A handful of people make a profit, right? And then everybody you, else, we just take the loss. We're you're there to be your own least. street team. <laughs> Right. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm the PR. I'm the marketing. I'm the street team. I'm the face. Yeah. Let's do this. You know, and it's going to hurt, but it usually doesn't hurt as bad as it hurt this year. And, hmm. you know, I just, I, I couldn't take it. I don't want to have another experience where there's so much pressure on something as special to me as San Diego Comic-Con, which I've been yeah. to 15 conventions in a row now. And I, I would never want to miss it. And I never want to hate it. And I walked out of it this year being like, I don't think I had fun. Oh, and, bummer. It, it was brutal. And and to be fair, that was 100% based on my business. Mm-hmm. Nothing, well, mm-hmm. 85% based on my business. <laughs> because the Hollywood strike did create kind of like a, a rat's nest of, you know, foot traffic problems in the convention center. Sure. And, and weird flows of foot traffic, like small press where I was for my first year. I mm-hmm. just switched over from yeah. Sally. Small press got no foot traffic this year. Hmm. But last year, oh, man. it was banging, right? This year, yeah. all those people that were in Hall H, mm-hmm. guess what Hall H is right next to it at Comic-Con? Bar right. Sally. Yeah. yeah. It's the only end of the building the Hall H people recognize. So I think they did not understand how to use the rest of the building. Like, you could just keep walking. There's more building. Right. And, There's uh, still, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But they, they got stuck, basically, in Artist Alley and all the major publishers and all the toy booths mm-hmm. right. up on that end of the convention. Sure. So the other end of the convention was a ghost town. Hmm. And it was it was off and on a ghost. I mean, there there were lots of extra people. It was a weird con because mm. you're like, it's so busy in here. Mm-hmm. But what the fuck? Yeah. Right? But what is so, anyone doing? <laughs> yeah. And it was brutal. Wow. And, and I'll fully admit, like, you know, you guys both understand how this goes. Like, this is a branding game as much as it's anything else. Right. And mm-hmm. I'm in the process of converting from, you know, that artist who clearly makes all their own shit and gets it out however they can to that artist who's mm-hmm. really trying to polish things so that things are uniform so that there's a brand, so there's an ethos, so that people go, that's yeah. Monkey Gong, that's my sci-fi, I love that shit. And mm-hmm. I I still just had the slightest vibe of a garage sale set up at my table, you know, it's just still a little knick-knacky, uh-huh. uh-huh. so like, you know, maybe unfocused. And I feel like it really cost me on top of the foot traffic thing. It just was one of those things where I was like, hmm. oh, you know. Mm-hmm. And then the, the nights, you know, were amazing. I, I mean, I'm, mm. I'm, I have an amazing community of people around me now in comics, and I, I have nothing but amazing compliments to say about all their talents and their successes, and I can't believe I'm in the room with these people. And then you go back downstairs to the convention the next morning, and you're like, what the fuck? Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> where, where's that energy? Where's that positivity? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was just really hard to keep that where I wanted it to be, and, and yeah. I feel like that was a consistent theme throughout the year. And And part of it is that, like, you know, this is the first year that everything has been reopened, right? So there's mm-hmm. more stuff to do, but it's also the the year where people have that much less money also. So it's just like a weird combination mm. of factors. Yeah. But I've always wanted to do this subscription. And it was one of those things mm. where this year just, it just beat the shit out of me. And I, by the time yeah. I hit October 1st, I was finished. I had a lot of family stuff going on, totally mm. exhausted. 
And I had told myself even before San Diego, I was like, after San Diego, I got to see, I've been reading tons of business books. I've wanted to do the subscription for a long time. I want to see what's up with the online sales because mm-hmm. mine suck. And so that was my, always my goal anyway. And after everything was that bad and I just finally had six or eight weeks to like sleep and deal mm-hmm. with all of my family shit that's been going on. In that time, I had enough rumination to be like, listen, it's now or never, man. Shit or get yeah. out the pot. You know, like you have an <laughs> idea, just put the idea out there. It's just like making a comic. If you have an yeah. idea, realize the idea. So that's kind of where we are now. Well, that's one of the things that I, I really dig about your work is that there's there's no, I, I feel like your your ethos is no wasted energy. You know, like there's, mm-hmm. there's a lot of, you know, um, uh, odds and ends, I mean, is all about, you know, repurposing pieces that you've worked on in the past. And and I just, mm-hmm. I, I don't know, I think, I think I, I love the idea of, you know, just taking all of that and moving forward with it. I, I love this sentiment in the press release, like subscriptions are crowdfunding in its purest form. It's a forever presale. Mm-hmm. Uh, how did working with crowdfunding sites like Zoop prepare you to set out on your own like this? The crowdfunding thing is really cool. I, I've been absolutely enamored with it from the second that the the New York Times and <laughs> and Wired uh, PR blast for Kickstarter dropped like 15 years ago. I remember uh-huh. reading articles in both of those publications and being like, "What is this fucking thing? It sounds so cool." Yeah, yeah. Um, I I think I think crowdfunding is amazing, mm. and I I thoroughly think that both Zoop and Kickstarter, Indiegogo and, and GoFundMe, they all offer something, but Zoop and Kickstarter really offer something to comics specifically. One being, you know, Zoop just for comics. You can't do yeah. that. And they, they do offer a lot of good things. Um, and Kickstarter is harder because it's obviously a much, much bigger playing field. So it's much harder to be a bigger success. But, but right. I think in both cases, what I am seeing now, just from looking at my own campaign this year and looking at the campaign of a bunch of other friends is like, if you only make a hundred and fifty dollars past your goal, right, is the campaign a success? And, sure. and like I yes, obviously by mm-hmm. sheer numbers it is, but like the the overhead of comics is disgustingly huge and mm-hmm. stressful. And obviously, like when your campaign only covers just printing the book and like mm-hmm. maybe a sushi dinner to just pat yourself on the back. <laughs> sure. Like, what do you do, especially in my case, when you're as stupid as me and you're like, well, the book's not done, but I'll be able to get the pretty quick rate. Hey. And then life, you know, just bashes you around after you finish your campaign. You're like, oh, I didn't have the time to draw because I had to hustle for money for the last six yeah. months. And it didn't go, on podcast. Didn't go the way, right, you know, <laughs> and it didn't, it often doesn't go the way that it went the time that it was working. Like when you need it to work, it doesn't work. You know, right. My mm. friend recently put it, when you chase the money, the money runs, right? So <laughs> it's sort of like, <laughs> that's, that's, that's so true. 2023. <laughs> And so I just, I don't know, I, crowdfunding is awesome, but like, unless mm-hmm. you're Brian Polito or the, the Matt Wagner, Kelly Jones, you know, campaign that just ended the other day, it was like right. $100 million. Yeah. Like it, I don't know, man, you, you know, Brian Polito, I don't know what the hell he's doing. Cause he's not Matt Wagner. No offense to Brian. He's mm-hmm. not Matt Wagner and he's not Kelly Jones. Right. He's a definite name. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. And by the way, he runs Tucson Comic-Con now and it rules. It's a great con if you guys haven't. I have heard him. it's great. Yeah. yeah. I, I have nothing but good things to say about Brian Polito, but mm-hmm. I I think he is working magic. Mm-hmm. It's not based on yeah. him or his brand. It's him and his brand and his strategy. Mm-hmm. And like watching yeah. him do his crowdfunding and just use the internet. I mean, he does like 10 campaigns a year or something like that. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So he's really smart. And the fact that he does 10 campaigns a year and one of them was $5 million, that is a successful crowdfunding campaign, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I am not anywhere near that. 
I don't think anybody <laughs> on this podcast probably is like no offense, but like, it's no, just, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's brutally difficult to get that accomplished. And I, I, yeah. I personally don't know when I will have the heat if ever to have a campaign that big, but I think like the gradual process of having a subscription, mm -hmm. I don't really need to worry about it because <clears throat> every single book in my library will always be available in the subscription. So even if I stop running new books in the subscription, I'm always going to have the books I'm offering in the first right. 18 months of the subscription, plus whatever I finish in that time. So maybe yeah. it'll just be a two-year program once it's all wrapped up. And I'll be like, hey, guys, I'm too busy to do new books on the monthly for you. Mm -hmm. And that's totally fine. Like, here's this you know, vast library that we've accumulated. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and that's, I mean, I, I kind of fell for the idea once I realized how I was going to be able to do it monthly, because then I was like, well, mm -hmm. every time I'm able to pull that off after nine months then I've got nine books, right? So like sure, yeah. five, four or five of those are like my two new books plus redressing my older books, you know, like I just put a, put a new cover on this because the logo used to nice. be at the bottom and it looks like oh, a yeah. postcard to people and like people wouldn't even <laughs> pick it up. I love the, the format. I'm like, dude, it's, oh, cool. like, wow. it's yeah. basically a webcomic, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, I, but it landscape. So, yeah, and well, the genesis, like this, this whole subscription thing, has been going on in my head for kind of a while. Like mm -hmm. the pandemic, especially, I got really voice serious in your head. About it, and I thought, yeah, <laughs> one of the many. Um, I got really serious about it during the pandemic, and I tried really hard to pull it off. And what I was going to do was a weekly uh, content delivery thing, like behind the paywall and to your yeah. inbox, and mm -hmm. then when the book was ready, send it to you. Mm -hmm. um, but weirdly, that was a way more unsustainable method of doing this because actually like that weekly release model, even though I wasn't required to print stuff as often, mm -hmm. the weekly release model was going to kill me. Right. I, I was trying to build up content, but it, yeah. just, it just wasn't coming together. I just could see that there was a flaw in the in the business plan, you know, and even Jessica Abel, if you're familiar with, with her, she's a great cartoonist in her own right. Mm -hmm. She's a teacher uh, of cartooning and business. And she has a, a great infrastructure that she runs. She coaches and all, does all this stuff, right? Um, and so I emailed her because I was considering taking one of her coaching programs because I desperately feel like I need somebody who knows what we are doing yeah. to tell mm -hmm. me, stop distracting yourself with all this extra shit and like focus, <laughs> you know, funnel it in on the thing that's important. Uh -huh. And and I was emailing her and basically said, oh, I came up with this really awesome, you know, told describe my whole business plan, super ambitious. She was like, yeah, making more of a thing isn't smart business. Hmm. I was like, ow. So you know, <laughs> it took me a minute. Do I had you, to go back to the drawing board. Hmm. You know? Do you find that the subscription model kind of lights a fire under your ass in some ways, mm -hmm. though? Mm -hmm. like I, got it, my first, I got my first two subscribers. It took me a week of promotion to get my first two subscribers. And they were uh -huh. friends, admittedly. They're people who backed my my crowdfunding campaign and they're a part of the very dedicated part of my audience i love these two people yeah they're constantly supporting me so i'm not shocked that they were the first two and that's this is how this works this is how crowdfunding works you know your friends your family mm -hmm. jump on board right away right uh as soon as <laughs> I, I got I, those two no, yeah no I was just gonna say I I spent six years in a band and every time we put out a record the first people who get it are family and friends and we're like hell yeah like the <laughs> the ground crew <laughs> right you know what we call that stability that's what yes, our version yes, of sir. stability so um and yeah so I uh, got those first two subscribers the other day mm -hmm. it's like I could tell I finally everything was finally gelling with my promotion. I also yeah. did a did a big mea culpa and said, don't worry, my crowdfunding book is still coming. This isn't a distraction from that. It's sort of part of mm -hmm. it, you know. Mm -hmm. And I, I just got all this, I just got all this shit out of the air, you know, because like I I I stalled this year. I know it was visible to people in my life. I know it was visible to my audience. And I think that the the you know the removal of the stall was very obvious this week. And people were like, oh, he's back. Mm. And so that's why I'm, I got some people who engaged. And the second they did, it was like 
8, 9 p.m. when the second person subscribed. By yeah. 1 a.m., I'm shooting a video. I'm like, I've set up a lighting setup and I'm shooting a video in the middle of the night being like, thank you, you guys. This is awesome. I'm like, all of a sudden, I've got this new wave of energy. Right. I've got mm-hmm. this new direction. It's real. It's happening. Know? It's real. It's happening. I mean, I, I immediately had an idea. Like, I shot this video and because it was so late, I just wasn't really polished. So I had, it took me like 20 minutes to get warmed up. So there's a whole <laughs> bunch of bloopers. There's all these bloopers. Fantastic. And after I got done, and threw those all in the trash. I sat down at the computer to start editing the one that worked. And I was like, get those out of the trash. What are you doing? Make a blooper reel. What are you doing? <laughs> like this. So the paywall content started to suggest itself to me. Things I had never thought of. The very first yeah. subscribers I got, I had ideas for new content. I was like, yeah. That's nice. great. Nice. So I'm excited. Well, t- Tell us a little bit about the like the books that and, and, and the, the work that we can expect through Monkey Gong. I'm particularly excited about the adventures of Dr. Cotton Hickox. Which is is uh, if if you'll permit me is uh, pitched as amnesia, evil twins, martial arts, everything a time travel story needs, <laughs> which uh, I'm already in. Yeah, I tried to come up with a different tagline, but for some reason I just keep sticking with that one because it's kinda, <laughs> it's fun. It's it's one of my most pulpy stories for sure, mm-hmm. uh, but at the same time, it's also one of my most uh, you know esoteric, you know physics inspired. Like I'm really trying to do something that is. I guess maybe in the Grant Morrison zone. Like I was really inspired mm-hmm. by his writing when I was younger. And I mean, I, I yeah. unfortunately don't read enough now to even know what he's writing, but like, there's just a lot, le- like all the metaphysical levels that you play on always inspired me. And this story was always intended to be something like that. And I waited yeah. until this point in my life to be a better artist, to be able to draw it, but also to be able to handle those elements. Cause like the, yeah, when I was younger, I'm like, this is a mind bending fucking story. Like I don't even <laughs> know if I can successfully pull it off, you know? And it, mm-hmm. I'm sure you, you, we've all seen movies and read comics where you're like, they almost got there. I, mm. you know, that's always right. the worst for me. One, one more draft. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, the potential. The drafts. When you see the potential yeah. and it doesn't hit it, it's like worse than if it was just bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get really frustrated with stuff like that where it's like almost there. You're just like, man, I just mm-hmm. I want to love you, but I almost hate you more. And that's the, yeah, <laughs> not really. So this one's like a real labor of love. It is. And I mean, I came up with a story in 2000. Like the... Oh. Wow. I, I, I'm putting a page, the very first page I ever drew of the character, I'm putting it in the very back of the book. I'm doing it like how it started, how it's going kind of thing. So oh, I love that. Years yeah. making. Yeah. Right on. <laughs> it's, it's, it's for 25 years. Yeah, no, it's crazy how, uh, you know, I mean, being a comic book artist is really difficult. It's a, it's a, it's a, um, a path with a lot of side roads, you know, Mm -hmm. and freelance art in general is a path with a lot of side roads and tangents and distractions. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, I knew I was waiting to be ready for this story, but I didn't know I was going to wait this long. But then I also, it also just happened. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't, I never made the decision to do it other than being like, well, odds and ends is, you know, I'm republishing odds and ends as a two volume, 100 Mm -hmm. extra pages, giant opus thing. So why don't I just fucking wrap this thing up? And, I've already got this much, quote unquote, and then of course I added like twenty pages to it. <laughs> yeah, so, but which is good, fantastic. But yeah, yeah. seems like there's um, more side yeah. roads in comics than ever. Substack, you know, more publishers, indie publishers yeah. that promise creator owned and may, may may or may not actually give you a full cut of like Hollywood. Uh, you know, the big two uh, zines. Yeah. Just yeah. going to conventions and selling zines is a, is something you could do. You know, just, and we, I don't think we should get into this, but I will just say the one piece of advice I could probably give to anybody out there is learn about contracts and really push mm-hmm. for a good contract. Don't mm-hmm. sign whatever they put in front of you. Cause I know a lot of people who do, and I 
you know, I'm working with a great company right now and I'm not going to say their name. They know they are, uh, but we've, we've had some contract trouble just getting there, like getting, mm-hmm. getting to the place where we're all satisfied. And I think that the work that we've done has been really worth it. Like our relationship, yeah. like publisher artist relationship is way better mm-hmm. than I think it was before. I'm standing on way less shaky ground than I was before because I said, I will not accept anything less than these things. And I don't mm-hmm. know where this clause came from. But this this is obviously from like a much bigger corporate situation that we have, and I'm not gonna fucking sign this. You know? Wow. And, and, yeah. And, and that attitude's for us. That attitude wasn't for them. But it was like you know they <laughs> they 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 understood that. And I think that like if you're any kind of a creator on any job in any of these books, it mm-hmm. doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're the artist, the writer, the colorist, the letterer. Don't get screwed. Like the the. The, the path to us all not getting screwed anymore starts with each of us not getting screwed anymore. One yeah. creator at a time. You right. Know, so, and it's tough because like, if you, you know, if you're, if you're an up and comer and you you really want to break into the business, this has literally been your dream. It's mm-hmm. so easy to be taken advantage of. And that's, that's the case in pretty much every medium, but like comics, yeah. especially, I mean, goes back to the old quote like comics will break your heart you know yeah, <laughs> like and, yeah. and they shouldn't this is such a it's no. such a fun expressive yeah. art form we had uh, um andy bellinger on to talk about his psycho oh, gorman andy. he's great yeah we talked about a psycho yeah. gorman kickstarter and at the time when we did the interview on this show we talked a little bit about how he asked paul pope to do a cover right and paul was like oh so like 900 i can't remember the numbers now but it was like 900 dollars, right and he's like no 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 no, no, no. we're not doing industry <laughs> rates we can do way better and he was like wait what and like yeah. it's yeah. like i think the industry's taking advantage especially maybe the big two i say maybe but wow, uh it's not how that conversation i thought i thought that was going to go the opposite wow that's a great story yeah, yeah right yeah. <laughs> no that's good gives Although, you a little bit of hope <laughs> and then you know they've got people yeah. on twitter i won't name names who say you know at one point artists were getting four thousand dollars a page which sounds insane to me i don't even know how that's mm-hmm. possible but maybe i don't know well some people are still that's so, yeah, oh, really? I, mean, I can. True. I, mean, I could name. I could name a few names, but I'm not going to. Right, right, right. But, but like, <laughs> that is a I'm, lot of money. I, I've been aware of this thing for a while. I mean, there are people mm-hmm. out there like your David Max, for instance. Right. I probably just yeah. do a page for less than a grand. If Alex not Ross. I, I, you know, yeah. And yeah. I, I, I'm not. I don't want to really, really speculate about numbers because I honestly, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm friends with David. I'm friends with Bill Sinkovich. Like, I'm friends with these guys yeah. who are probably getting those rates, mm-hmm. but they've also yeah. earned. They've also earned their place. Right. You know, like right. decades and decades. And well, thousands and have, of pages, you know, right. and have never gotten bad at it. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> no. they're not never like Sinkovich. Yeah, no, absolutely not. I, we were just yeah. talking about that a couple of weeks ago. I was just like, how in the world is Sinkovich still this good? <laughs> yeah. He's got a looseness to him as a person that I think contributes to that. Like, mm. like one of the That's things cool. that blew my mind the very first time that I ever had like my mind fully blown by him in person <laughs> was uh-huh. in San Diego. And he, somebody walked up, he was either at the Cartoon Art Museum booth. I, I, things blend together because I worked that booth for several, like five years before I started having my uh-huh. own table. And we did a sketchathon every year. So like Charlie Adlard would come by, big artists would come by and work for yeah. an hour. And you know people paid top dollar to get you know to donate to the museum for them and get these sketches. Uh, and I feel like Bill was there. Mm. And I remember him being like somebody handing him a piece of paper, and it was a shitty piece of paper, by the way, like a crinkled <laughs> up, like disgusting piece of paper. Yeah. And Bill's like, Bill's like, I got it covered. And he's got this big bag of like disgust. Just, he just goes, like pulls this bag out, you know, plastic <laughs> bag for fully effect there. Yeah. And it's got, I'm not kidding you. It's got like 
a red pen from a car rental place, a ballpoint <laughs> pen he stole from a dentist's office, a whiteout <laughs> pen that's 25 years old, but it's like 50 pens and pencils and shit that are the most junky, yeah. like normal writing utensils you've ever seen in your life. And he just made magic. He did, did an electra, made magic out of it. Like wow. this oh fucking incredible piece that with rules. like a, a really bleedy red marker. Mm-hmm. And yeah. just, I could just see it just spreading out on the paper. <laughs> One of those things where I would be pulling my fucking hair out while I was on this piece. And he's he's looking at somebody like smiling. MacGyvering. Like the guy... The guy just fucking laughs the whole time he's sitting at his table. Uh, he's like yeah. the most happy-go-lucky artist in the world. I fucking love that guy so that's much. That's the like, best. Yeah, and it's clearly that's the ethos that like drives his work. You mm-hmm. know, like his work is alive and well because of that. You know, and it's vibrant every time because of that. Uh, so, the one year that's I covered the, best. the Eisners, he I think he went up um to accept an award at least twice, and he was so funny, just high yeah. energy, and yeah, yeah, uh, that rules. There's, you should look up uh, Bill Sinkovich '80s photos if you have. <laughs> okay, uh, he, was quite the, he was quite the party kid back in the day. Oh, nice! I love that. There are some wild photos of that guy. Like clearly, <laughs> everybody was having a really good time. So, I'm setting uh, a reminder to do that because yeah, I yeah. feel like that's what I need in my life today. Yeah, my uh, new hobby has actually been. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you. Oh no, you go for it. Go for it. What's your new, my hobby? new hobby lately? Amazon Prime has a disgustingly. Actually, that's the wrong word. They have a fascinating amount of comic book documentaries. Oh, like yeah, I, I say uh-huh. disgustingly because I'm like a pig in shit. Where I'm like, I'll just fucking watch all these. I'll just sit down and like. So I, so does yeah. Tubi. Tubi has like a hundred of them okay. too. Like Good the, to know. yeah, yeah, nice. Good to know. Yeah, the the uh, the Chris Claremont's X Men documentary was one of my favorites mm-hmm. recently. The Image Revolution documentary. I, I can't recommend that one enough because it doesn't really pull its punches, which is amazing, honestly. Because mm-hmm. oh, they're still superstars, mm-hmm. and most yeah. of the documentaries about that they're they're a, a little too nice. Uh, not not that anybody's bad in that crew, but everybody was very interesting, young, especially yeah. some some people in that group were very very young. So like, sure, there, there was some wild behavior going on, and it was a wild time in the comics industry. So, but the Claremont's X Men one is similar to the Bill Sinkovich thing, where you get just like if you look up photos of him, you get such a feel for what it was like to work on the industry mm, in, the, yeah. in the Claremont Different. documentary specifically in the, in the eighties and nineties. And it was like, it, it feels honestly <clears throat> like they, they uh, sacrificed what we have in small mm. press and indie and like our community of the small town of comics, you know, the main comic people, mm-hmm. uh, they sacrificed that for this corporate ethos that we uh, now live in. Right. And like right. the, the end of Claremont was the beginning of the corporate ethos. And so right. like, that documentary is sort of fascinating huh. for that reason, you know, as of this recording, when people are listening, Chris Claremont was on X-Men Monday this week. Oh yeah. Yeah. Go check that out on AAPT yeah, yeah, comics. Yeah, yeah. He's, um, been on, he's been in that column a couple of times. Shipping back to Monday. monkey gone comics. Your sci-fi work is trippy and out there, would you say? Uh, how would you describe your art and approach to sci-fi? Uh, wow, how would I describe my art? Um, retro, um, you know, I love retro, clean lines, high contrast, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I love strong design. I love, you know, weird colors and diagonals and interesting shapes or, you know. Um, and I love exploring all parts of the sci-fi genre. You know, yeah. not just space or not just, you know, post-apocalyptic. So I, I don't know. Uh, it's weird. Nobody's actually asked me to describe like the overall thing. I usually just say I'm a retro sci-fi artist because that's yeah. the fastest shorthand. But <laughs> yeah, I guess that's it, you know, and yeah. uh, I'm just obsessed with the genre. So like, I don't know where that's going to go. 
<laughs> well, I mean, right now the plan is for it to go to subscribers. So uh, you're you're working on mailing comics and sketches to folks. Are you? And I know you're kind of laying the groundwork for the infrastructure, all this stuff. How how big do you see your operation becoming to get all this content out there? I mean, I'm assuming right now it's you're popping everything in the mail yourself, correct? Oh yeah, yeah. No, I've I've been working all by myself on this whole project for the whole time. So wow. Um, the only help that I've had so far is my friend Mona, uh, who's mm-hmm. a writer, Mona Morsey. She just put out her, her first book that I laid out for her. Oh, um, nice. I mean, I laid out, I did the actual book design, not the, yeah. not the art. But uh, uh, she helped, she came to San Diego and Tucson Comic Con this year and helped me with my booth. And that's the first time I've actually had help. And oh, I wow. Say that it was pretty nice to have help. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, but uh, yeah, um, what I'm hoping for bare minimum is a hundred subscribers at the $20 level or higher. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the $20 level is the one that gets you the physical book and the, right. uh, the lower level, the digital, digital plus gets you PDFs, but mm-hmm. obviously. And that's you know, $3, right? That's the $3 that's right the, now. Yeah. Yeah. So my goal is basically a hundred subscribers by the end of the year, the $20 level or more. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I'm going to raise the prices at the end of the year because I'm actually right. giving this thing away, to be honest. Like once, once mm-hmm. I really get it where it needs to be, to be what I want it to be as an experience i'm probably going to be only taking money for shipping from people these yeah. first people so right. all the people who sign up by january 1st are going to be grandfathered in at the cheap price so like, that's so awesome get, get being, in there now for the yearly get in right? there. not right the you'll, you'll, yep yep uh-huh. you'll get a you'll get yeah and you can pay for yearly too so there's a pretty mm-hmm. good discount on the yearly uh costs for all these things too mm-hmm. so awesome um I, I don't know how big it will get obviously i mean who, who they'll can say but yeah I just hope people connect to the stories and connect to the universe yeah. that I'm creating. And and I, I know that I am probably going to need to put out a couple more books. I know Cotton Hickox needs to come out and I know that the book that I'm working on after that needs to come out. Plus I've mm-hmm. got new uh, chapters of Sojourners and Technopolis that are mm-hmm. uh, on deck already. So nice. it's just, it's, you know, I know it's really early. I know I'm going to have to do the thing where I'm like, Hey guys, this is going to get better. Everyone, you know, but like, <laughs> I think it's still already offering something that's like worth, you know, what it's asking. So absolutely. Yeah, I don't know. I would love to hire somebody to help me though. I'll tell you that much I as bet. far as like how yeah. big with this kid, just big enough to let me have time to draw like enough money coming in to draw, but also mm-hmm. so I can just pay, pay somebody to take care of some of my distractions. You know, if, if you're listening and you're, and you're interested, <laughs> send your resume to Craig. <laughs> I think uh, like KLC press has a couple interns who are now comics writers. And then um, mm-hmm. I was going to say AIPT has a patron and I'm the one mailing graphic novels to people who are part of our graphic novel club. And mm-hmm. like like you said, the shipping comes out of the patron cash, so mm-hmm. yeah, and it kind of evens out a little bit. Um, right. I, I, I did some math last night, and I was like, maybe I should be pushing for yeah. two hundred subscribers. I keep now. thinking like, should the gra- <laughs> graphic novel club they get like forty dollars of books like retail, and it's only twenty bucks? Uh, really? Like, who's gra- sh- that's your graphic novel club, the APT? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's yeah, it's an incredible deal, but uh, we don't have a lot yeah. of folks doing it. But I'm kind of grateful because mm-hmm. I don't have to go to the post box uh, yeah. office for like four <laughs> every <packages>. day. <laughs> um, well, I am. Uh, I use Pirate Ship. Uh-huh. I don't know if you guys mm-hmm. use them, but uh, just got my postal scale. No, oh, hey. I, I just weigh everything here and I just hand it to my mailman. Nice. So I don't oh, have that's to awesome. Go to the post office. Oh, so that's easy. I, you know, the only Check thing I have to do now is I have to invest in some mailers and like packaging and stuff. Right, right. right. So I'm kind of winging it, but I know that if I get five more subscribers on top of the ones I have, I'm suddenly going to be like, I need some actual like materials here. I need to look <laughs> professional. Right, 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 right. 
Well, you talked about short-term goal of $120 subscribers. What would be the long-term goal uh, for Monkey 2000. Cups? 2000. I think that's fair. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's like, you know, and I, I, there's just math. It's just math. I yeah. yeah. I, I don't yeah. usually, you know, I don't usually engage in math to try to make myself feel better. <laughs> in this case. <laughs> right. It, yeah, that's what's happening. Like, I, this is the whole purpose of this, honestly, is stability. That's the whole story I told the yeah. beginning. Yeah, right. And the whole conversation we're having about this business is like the hustle is so unstable and unhealthy. Yeah. Yeah. Like, fuck that. <laughs> you know, I'm at that point where I'm just like, what's the numbers? If I have 2000 subscribers, that's pretty sweet. Mm, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you math. But, sure. you know, like I, I don't want to be greedy. I don't you know, I'm not I don't know. It's weird. This is a weird thing because like, you know, yeah. the ego comes into play when you ask these questions. And I'm I'm very uh, right. I have a weird relationship with my ego. I don't like to let it in the car too much. Mm -hmm. Same. Like <laughs> keep it as a pedestrian who's yelling at the car as it's driving by. Um, more sales. <laughs> more. <laughs> yeah. You know. Your your what your value sales? is the number of subscribers you have in in your life. It's, it's not personal achievement or relationships. You know so. what? That's better than your followers on Instagram. So like, yeah. Right. <laughs> True. One hundred percent. Yeah. Um. So I know, like you said, constant hustle, not a whole lot of, not a whole lot of time to kick back and relax. But um, when you do, uh, are there any comics that you're reading right now or anything you've been like you've revisited recently? Uh, I'm, I'm a terrible comics reader right now. I just have been <laughs> so focused on making my own work that I just don't mm -hmm. read that much. I mean, I flipped through a lot of stuff. It's I've the been, ego. You, know, like you just, just know you're better than everyone else. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to feel like somebody's trying to challenge me and then I get a, you know, prove them wrong and <laughs> right. fool out of them. I, I, I feel bad. You know, I just feel, feel sure. bad. I'd be, like, yeah. I'd, be, I'd be like, come on, Kelly Jones. Come on. What you, what <laughs> Seriously. What are you doing? Just here? call it no. already. Um, yeah, I mean, that's basically, so uh, my comic book fandom, honestly, it's like, it's twofold. One, I back a bunch of Kickstarters every year. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm back about five, ten Kickstarters. Have I read any of those books? Nope. Uh, <laughs> but they're they're all sitting right there. Yeah. Uh, you know, I just back the the Wagner Kelly Jones book because I'm a, I don't know if you can see Same. the Grendel up in the corner there. I did, all, yes. All Grendel stuff up in that corner. So I'm yeah. a huge Wagner fan. Um you know, he's a great writer. I wish he would do more artwork, honestly, but like he's right. a fantastic writer. So it's cool. I'll take whatever I can get. Sure. Um, God, what have I been reading? Um, I cannot remember the last comic I read. Cancor by Matthew Allison, I think. Oh, yeah. Which is fantastic. That guy's yeah. like, you know, I love it when I meet an artist who's a contemporary who blows my mind and excites me. You know, mm, yeah. That's actually, nice. I'm sure you guys can probably relate, relate to this, right? Like that doesn't happen very often as you get older. Cause when you're a kid, your brain right. is primed sure. for like new experiences. But when, when you're older, we've all seen it all. And we're, we're jaded. Right. You know? Yeah. But, uh, and then, and then when you, when, when you meet somebody who's a contemporary, who is really good at what they do and in a way that doesn't <clears throat> infuriate you, right? Like where you're <laughs> yeah. just sort of like happy. I'm so glad you exist at the same time as me. <laughs> yeah. 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 It yeah. just makes me want to draw or like Matt Lisniewski. Mm. makes me want, really want to draw you know like mm. like mm -hmm. there's just there's these these people out there who are just you know they're iconoclastically unique like they're mm. just yeah i don't know man i because especially in this digital age when i see people who are like no i'm gonna fucking draw however i want to draw it on paper it's gonna be scratchy it's gonna be ugly mm -hmm. whatever you know it's gonna be super <laughs> empty, whatever you know sure. I just that's that's the kind of stuff that super excites me and i, I wish i had more time to just sit down and like fully read and immerse like i used to like yeah like when i Sat down and read all of Goon over like three weeks when I was a kid when I first discovered Eric Powell or yeah you know, yeah like that. Like, yeah we were read another one you know just we were just talking about how you know the Goon 
Ben's coming back for a new miniseries, and we were like so stoked about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's been a bit. That guy's so good. He really is. Yeah. I've tried so hard to make friends with him at Comic Con, but he's very uh, and, like shy. I was almost saying yeah. social, but his wife his wife does all the wheeling and dealing. He does not huh. speak to customers. Interesting. So, yeah, it's one of those things. I'm like, but be my friend. So, <laughs> I want to talk about Eddie Gein. <laughs> yeah, you know. Uh, to, to to specifically answer your question without like mm. running around like I'm not reading anything I, I watch a lot of film that's kind of my big thing yeah you know mm-hmm. like film has influenced me as a storyteller equally as much if not more than comics uh, yeah I mean I'm really trying to go back to comics storytelling because I love all the rules that you can break you know mm. when you're in film you got you basically work in the rectangle a lot more uh, sure and you know it's much more staid storytelling style but I but I really want to break I want to do like you know compress and decompress timing and I want to break out of the panels and do mm. wild page mm-hmm. designs yeah. and stuff like that so it's you know it's a little bit of column A a little bit of column B I think I look through a lot of comics to just I you know it's like I look at like Osamu Tezuka mm-hmm. or uh you know I just bought the first three books of Akira recently so I guess that's one uh, of the more recent things I've read is the first yeah. book of Akira so and good. just you know I mean and just exciting artwork like the guy just yeah fun or they i should say because it's obviously a team of people now yeah. we all know that mm-hmm. but uh it's just as exciting to look at you know mm-hmm. yeah fun and, i mean and that you one of you meant i think nathan it was you it was just like we this is just fun to do and like you just want yeah. to fall into it you know so mm-hmm. it's it's a, it's a world of imagination yeah we we're talking about the business that's right it's like it's just <laughs> making cool stuff on paper it's like so we should just enjoy that you know like, yeah you can tell when an artist really does you know so i mean that's yeah. i remember reading akira for the first time and thinking i'm different now like i don't know how to describe it like i was like you can is this what is this what comics are capable of being yeah. like it, i don't yeah. know just kind of blew my mind yeah we're all doing this because we love it i mean you know there's i, I could have made a fortune three times over if i had just stopped drawing 10 years ago you know <laughs> got into wall street and started trading or whatever dude i just could have been a restaurant manager and like become a mm. partner in a restaurant you know right, like it would have been that right. easy i was already in the business i was already in places where they were like you want to be a manager you've been here for five years you know mm-hmm. whatever. so no that's not true i never stayed at a restaurant that long three was my, <laughs> was my, my limit um, limit but yeah i don't know anyway um yeah no this is a this is a game about love if you don't love it mm-hmm. you're done <laughs> you know 100 percent yeah. Well, well Craig, uh, we're at the end of our interview here. Uh, where where can folks find you? Uh, are you on socials? Do you, I mean, we know you have a website, Monkey Gong Comics Club, but uh, where else yeah, can they find you? Yeah. Well, uh, you can find me at Craig Comics, K R A I G C O M X on Instagram primarily, but I use that for everything else as well. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. But but right now, go to Monkey Gong, M O N K E Y G O N G. You know, slash subscribe or just go to the homepage. It'll lead you there. But everything is there to be seen. I'm going to be putting up a lot more, you know, I guess sales pitchy videos. Sorry. I'm going to try to make them fun, <laughs> you know, but uh, a lot of what we're talking about here, I want to probably mm-hmm. try to address personally why I'm doing this in some video form. And mm-hmm. you know, right now I'm just having fun making, making an experience over there. So that's why nice. I prefer people to go there. And if, if folks want to hear you talk more about, you know, the, your, your, your business and your craft, like you've also got a ton of, uh, previous podcast appearances hosted on your site as well, which I, which I, I loved seeing. I thought that was really cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and you guys will be up there as soon as this drops. You'll be up yeah. there. So, uh, <laughs> Part of the club. Yeah. Right on. I mean, it's slightly selfish to put the links on my own page, but like, you know, it is also, I guess it's, it is also a thank you to you guys. I really Yeah, totally. Yeah, so. No, hundred percent. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I feel like I should ask you, I 
I used to be a podcaster, so every time I'm on okay. a podcast, I feel bad when I haven't been asking you guys questions. So oh. like, <laughs> no one cares about <laughs> us. They get that in the first half of the show. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's and, right. And they li- and they listen to you every week, I guess. So they're like, right. why is he asking them questions? We don't want to know these things again. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I know. I'm sure you got those five stories you retell, and you're like, sorry guys, I got to tell the listeners this. <laughs> every, the we definitely do a lot of they singing here. a lot, and they hate that. We do. Probably. I don't know. We just have fun. <laughs> bad, just laugh at bad impressions. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just read Casino Royale. I'm like almost done with the book. Yeah. Casino Royale right now. So I, yeah. I can tell that what I did with Conan last year where I listened to every single book and I like got my hands on everything I could possibly get my hands on. Yeah. I'm doing it with Bond now. Hmm. And, you know, I did it with, and in between I did Parker, by the way, which if you thought that. Oh, done oh yeah. Holy good. shit. Are those good? Yeah. They're great. They're fantastic. Yeah. And I, I mean, love the, I love the Darwin yeah. cookbooks too. Like the, mm, the, me too, man. Oh man. Darwin was so uh, amazing. Missed that guy, man. Oh man, one of the one of the best to ever do it for mm-hmm. sure. And I I had the pleasure to be friends with them, so it was like oh, oh wow, so sad. well yeah. like Andy, Andy Bellinger was friends with them. Like the, there's mm-hmm. kind of a crew of Bay Area people that were really tight with them, and I just had the like they kind of brought me up, so I just was there. Awesome, you know. Yeah. I didn't not like I hung out with him that much, but I hung out with him in a few events, and like he knew my name. Right. That's you know. Yeah. So when he died, I was definitely hey. like rushed. Of course, you know? yeah. Um, oh man, yeah. That one and Mobius, those are the big ones that got me in the mm. yeah. Yeah, uh, and then the, you know, there's been some guys that are our age that that's not cool either. But no, you know, <laughs> like, like JPL last year, we don't need that. Like this, it's our job. And whenever one of us goes down, you always wonder like, if it wasn't so hard, would they still be here? You know? I know. And it's oh, I mean, man. being an artist is brutal on the body too, right? Um, I, Chip Sardarsky was on the show a few weeks ago, and he said he can't. He just can't draw as much as he used to. Just he's getting older. Really. Is yeah. it eyes or hands or back? I didn't. I say? think it might be back. He mentioned his shoulder uh, froze. Um, yeah. Go listen to the episode. <laughs> Give us a click. <laughs> yeah. But he you talks about right. it on air. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're right. I need to do my my due diligence here. But yeah, you know, he <laughs> had a, a, a um, he talks about how he had a frozen shoulder and he couldn't move his arm like more mm. than this. And he Ooh. said that he had to get like special wipes because he was starting to stink so bad because he couldn't wash. Oh, and it was gosh. like a year God. of that. Isn't that insane? Yeah, it is insane. Well, that's a great ending to this podcast. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, no, well, I mean, one of my, and I'll just say this and we'll, we'll be done because I'm sorry for dragging okay. it out, but. Oh, you're uh, fine. Uh, I am very fascinated with making it healthy. Yeah. It's been a thing that mm-hmm. has been on my mind for a long time because I go, I go in and out of that where like sometimes I'm like, oh, I haven't worked out in months. Like I, I just dropped Posture. 40 pounds last year. Oh, wow. So, so like, but I put on 40 pounds, uh-huh. you know, between over 10 years, that 40 pounds added because <laughs> it of being came from somewhere. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's like, I, I basically like quit rock climbing, quit doing martial arts, quit food serving. So the three things I was doing to move my body oh, all the sure, time, sure, every sure. single day, I was mm-hmm. like, I'm going to be a serious artist now. And it's like, okay, mm-hmm. but you know, and you know, the balance thing is like a really difficult part of being an adult human being, mm. obviously. Sure. Yes. But yeah. But when you're an artist, it's like having, you know, it's like having a job that won't let you go home. Right. You know, and, right. and like that just leads to ruin, I think. And so I'm definitely obsessed with that and like thinking about writing books about artist health and stuff. And like, yeah. I don't know, I'm like, because it bothers I me. Think... It bothers me to go to a con and see people eating the way they eat behind their table and see yeah. that they clearly are in awful physical health, you know. Right. Well, not everybody. No, but you know, you, you right. got your Dan Panosians, you got your, you got your uh, Mike Deodatos who are like really trying uh-huh. to be fit. 
you know. Um, but like most of those Ramita, guys, I think is like super. Ramita, well, Ramita's always been jacked. I don't know how that guy. Yeah. <laughs> Have you seen his videos where he's drawing? He has like an interesting yeah. setup where he's like a pillow or something. I don't know. It's weird. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, well, he's got a huge desk. Yeah, you know, we all. Yeah. His set, his yeah. setup reminds me of mine, except it's it's he's sitting. I stand, right. but I have the uh-huh. same like giant Italian drawing table. Uh-huh. You yeah, know, and it's it's at a really extreme angle, and it just it helps. I mean, that he does that because like, dude, I'm sure the amount of artwork that that guy pumps out, he would have he'd be crippled. He'd be literally paralyzed from like the mid chest <laughs> down if he sat and hunched over a desk all this time. Right. You know? Right. Yeah, put out thou- I mean, tens of thousands of pages. The guy's one of the most prolific comic book artists that's ever lived. So absolutely, I, you know. He's the one to take notes on if he's mm-hmm. if he's in good shape mm-hmm. and he's got this particular set. Copy everything, <laughs> you know. What I mean? <laughs> sure, right. Copy everything he's doing because he's doing it right, you know. And I and but I, I honestly think like that's one of those cases because like the Kubert guys, the Kubert sons, they're also mm-hmm. like relatively healthy and mm-hmm. daughter. They're all relatively healthy for comic book people too, right? You know, they don't have they don't have like nerd nerd body from. 20 yards where you're like oh i know what you are nerd body um, that's what my doctor called me the other day i was like what? Uh-huh. oh that's a technical yeah, I, I actually think that might be the name of my my nerd fitness podcast if i ever start it but uh, nerd honestly i do size. think yeah. i think there is a market for that i truly do yeah you know what i don't like about it though is that it's a little bit shamey mm. like it, it it like the concept alone right. just has a little bit of like shaming in it and i don't it's I a don't tough really sell right that. yeah but unfortunately it's accurate so well, I think I think if you approach to, uh, it, fix this uh, <laughs> reputation that you I, have. I mean, yeah. I have personally moving to working from home, like through COVID and everything. I, I have noticed a definite change in, in yeah. my physicality and like even just the way I hold myself when I'm out in public. I, yeah. you know, I, I think that there is I think there are yeah conversations <laughs> to be had about that that aren't, you know, necessarily shamey. I used to landscape uh, we, and I used it like fat camp every summer and. Yeah, it didn't go yeah. well when I got out of fat camp and stopped landscaping. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, like, like I said about food serving, I was walking, I don't know, fifteen miles a shift, probably. I don't mm-hmm. know. Like, I, I'm sure that's a little high, but it's probably not as high as it sounds, um, because you're just you're just trucking from the kitchen to the table, to totally. the table to the kitchen to the bar to the outside to the do the side work mm-hmm. outside, take the trash. You know, it's like by the end of the day, you know, I could just never keep on weight, and everybody in my family would be like, "Are right. you eating?" And I'm like, "Yeah, but you know, just you, I'm just so what you all do is you set up three art tables across your house, <laughs> and you have to, <laughs> to finish each panel. You have to walk up to each one. Yeah, that doesn't there sound like a pain in the ass at all. No, 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 that'll totally help with efficiency. <laughs> Right. You know, one of the one of the things that like really turned the light on for me, and this is a funny story to close on, which is that I, I lived yeah. in Long Beach for a little while when I was trying to live in L.A. and hack it out as a professional artist. Holy shit. What a tough time that was. Speaking of tough rides. Mm. Um, so I was living in Long Beach and I was definitely depressed. And there was one of the best Mexican restaurants I've ever had in my life. 20 feet from my front door. Oh, no. It was right across the street. It was just like a, yeah. a three, like a four lane street. It's right there. I could literally uh-huh. throw a fucking rock at it yeah. and be like, <laughs> wave at them and be like, quesadilla, and then walk over there in three days. Um, but uh, one time I went over there to get my fucking extra cheese, disgusting quesadilla. Right. And I'm walking back. <laughs> I'm walking back in the crosswalk and there's a tr- there's a car in the crosswalk and I hear the guy in the crosswalk goes, look at this guy, thinks he's all buff, doesn't even realize he's fat walking across. <laughs> I was literally, the guy was just like what? narrating my, my inner monologue where no. I was already feeling like a fat ass and this guy was like uh, making fun of me. What? But he was That's right. so random. He was right. I was wearing like a it, pants. I, I, my, my belt was barely like I was, my belt was about to like pop, you know, uh. like I was just literally like popping out of my clothes. Like I, mm. I had not 
faced it yet you right. know that i had gained too much weight and like it still took me you know i don't know almost 10 years to like really get on top of it because it's really hard to lose weight if uh you live in this society because there's all these fads and shit that people have yeah, sure in. but the science is actually really simple once i did it right it took me like three months so that's it's there's a book called there's a book called feed the muscle start uh what is it uh feed the muscle burn the fat Mm-hmm. I'll, that's all I'll say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I won't try to. I won't try to share the science, but that book okay. was was. I'll check it out. But anyway, well, sorry, Craig, <laughs> thank you so much for being on the APT Comics podcast. Thanks for having me, you guys. It's been great. Yeah, this was a blast, man.